looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. If you have your Bibles, you might want to get them out, although in your worship folder you're going to have some uh, message uh, notes there that you can follow along if you'd like. Recently I read a story of a person who went to a major university and he attended at that school a Broadway-style performance and it was a competition. He was given a third-row seat, so he was right up close to the stage and he watched the person up there doing his dance and in the middle of his dance in this Broadway-style musical, the guy had a tuxedo but his pants ripped from one end to the other and began to fall off of him. And so he knew he couldn't stop and he had to go on, so he held up his pants and he continued to dance away to the laughter of the crowd that was there. And I kept thinking about, as those people were doing that, how many of us may sometimes outwardly, we have that big smile, but inside we're so embarrassed because something is falling apart inside of us. And we have that fearful anxiety and that fretful spirit that we might have. I might even ask maybe some of you today, are you doing things in your own life to try to make it through the dance of a marriage or maybe your family or career or finances or relationships or reputation and you're trying to hold it together and outwardly you're smiling and you're saying all the right Christianese but inside you do have periods of fear. Now it might be good for you to ask yourself or those that know you very well what would be some things that you're doing that could be expressing your fearfulness? Maybe you get depressed and discouraged. Maybe you get quick to get angry because something is out of control and you can't control it. Maybe it's a health issue that you might have. Maybe you shut down. Maybe you can't sleep well at night. Maybe you even talk about your fears. Maybe you take medicine for it. I don't know. But I'll tell you that the world, according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, chases after a lot of stuff, hoping that those things will eliminate or at least minimize their fears. They really want to get on the other side of it. But it's not too unusual because Christians often do the very same things and even those Christians that have heard many messages on fear not or the fear factor. And you're looking at one that even in my own life and as many times as I've been through the word, I have to tell you that I still have little bouts of anxiety, little bouts of fear. I think part of that is natural and if you'll stay with me, I'm going to tell you perhaps why the Lord allows us to get into situations that will reveal our fearfulness so that he can do something special in that place. So I want you to take this journey with me as we go through this. But to begin with, I would like us, if you'd mind doing this, to read together what is probably called God's foremost command on fear. So you can stay seated, but I'd like you to open your worship folder and turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And let's hear each other read this passage together on fear. Are you ready? Let's read. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, when this was being written, it was written by a man named Paul who was in prison who had a myriad of reasons to be fearful and have anxiety. 
And yet he was so concerned about others and their fear factor that he chose under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to address them and to give them the antidote to their own fears because they were living in a time that they too could be thrown into jail and probably at the same time could even be put into an impending death situation, which meant that their whole families would be scrambled, their economics would be scrambled, their whole lives would be scrambled, and he knew that they were living at any moment on the precipice of destruction and fear. And so he spoke to them, and yet he can simply said, don't fear about anything, but pray about everything. But there's a little caveat in there. He says, while you're not worrying about anything and you're praying about everything, he also said to do it with thanksgiving, to remember that we're saying thanks. Now listen carefully, because when we thank God for this, what you're really thanking God are for two parts of his attributes or two attributes. Now there's many, but two of them. One, you're saying, Lord, I thank you that you are in control of everything that I cannot control. Now think about that, that God is more powerful than any adverse situation that comes your way and he's either permitting it or prescribing it. So you're thanking God for who he is, particularly his sovereignty. And the second thing is, is that his sovereignty is very much married to his love for you. And it's his unconditional love. And he says, although I am in control, I want you to know at the same time, whatever I do, I do good, I do well, I do faithfully because it's born out of my unconditional grace, mercy, and love for you and me. And once we have that, then it becomes easier than to cast our care upon him, pray about everything, and then just say, Lord, I thank you. Now, some of you that are hearing that, you're saying, my, that is so good, but when I'm in the midst of a battle and I'm very fearful, it's very hard for me to do that. I struggle with fear. Well, then let me suggest that your first prayer might be simply this, Lord, I am now going to admit to you, I'm a fearful, timid person. I don't know where that's come from. Maybe my upbringing, maybe it's because of some spiritual issues in my life. Maybe I've had some shock issues and something has caused me to be on that edge where I'm momentarily fearful and anxious. Lord, would you now help me? Would you now show me from your word? Are there things that I can do? I'll do. The things that you should do, you do, Lord. But help me overcome this for the rest of my life. And if you do that, I want you to know the Lord loves you so much. He is not mad at you. He's not angry with you because you have anxiety attacks and you're fearful about certain things in your life. He says, I know you're that way. I know you're hardwired. I know you're living a world of sin. A lot of this is brought on you because of Adam and how it's been passed down to the rest of you. But he says, I'm not here letting you wallow around in your dread and fretfulness. I'm here to help you with that if you'll just let me. Now, should you choose then to say, all right, Lord, I will cast my care upon you. I will thank you for your sovereignty and love. Here's the beauty of it all. There is a promise from God. And when God makes a promise, he's the only one that has the power to keep the promise that he's made. If you go back to the verse, notice the particular promise. He says, you will experience God's peace. Somehow underline that. You will experience God's peace. This is a promise from an almighty God who loves you in a world of timidity. And then he goes on to say, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. In other words, a secular worldview can understand this. A natural man's mind, nobody, I can hardly understand this peace of God because it's so much beyond where I'm at. Now look at. What I believe is, is that when you go to the Lord and you begin to experience God's peace in your life, this is a guard on your heart. So in other words, as we seek him, this guard comes up and he's now guarding my heart. Now, when he begins to guard my heart, that gives my heart, my mind, my being a greater opportunity to be drawn even closer to the Lord because when I'm fearful, I'm not as close to the Lord as I can be because it's now clouding my thinking, it's clouding my, my, my emotions, it's clouding me from choosing to do the right things, my will. But when I allow that 
peace of God to guard my heart that frees my heart now to really get to know the Lord. Now watch this. It becomes a wonderful cycle then. The more I do that, the more I focus on the Lord and his words. It's not an emotional love affair with God. It's also a thinking thing. As I do that, what happens then? Fear begins to leave because between that is now faith. My faith is strengthened. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, you might be sitting here today thinking, I don't have anything to be fearful of. I don't really have all that that you're talking about. Why don't you talk about something else? It sounds like you're really on this gig about being fearful. Well, I have to tell you that I have in front of me right now about 25 cards that you have written to me over the last month or so when I asked you, what are you fearful of? In a moment, I'm going to go through those and I'll read your names. No, I don't. No, no I won't do that. Now you're so fearful, you'll leave. But... I want to talk about that, but I also want to share something else, the sovereignty of God and why it's important for you to be here and to get these messages out to others. I don't plan these things. It's all of God. You seek the Lord. This week, we arrived on Wednesday night late, got in and all that. Thank Brian for picking us up and bringing us back to the house. But on Thursday, I got a phone call from a man named Charles. He was an elderly man. And he said, are you Pastor Stan? I said, yes, I am. And he said, I listen to your radio program every day. And he said, would you pray for me? I am so scared. I am so fearful. And of course, my mind is, what was I speaking on? You know, he's listening to my program, you know? And he says, the reason I'm fearful is because I have an illness, and I'm not going to describe where, but it's an illness. And he says, and I don't know where this is going to take me. I know God loves me. I'm a Christian, but I'm struggling with these fears right now. And I said, let me share some verses with you. Let me share with you also that we'll be preaching on this the next two or three weeks. So listen on the radio. It'll eventually get there. Get it off our internet site. And then I said, Charles, may I pray with you? He said, oh, please, would you? So over the phone, we're able to take him to the throne of grace, to the only one that can eliminate his fears. He was so grateful at the end of that. We then said our goodbyes. About 10, 15 minutes later, he called back and he said, would you do me a favor? Would you pray for my wife, my wife, Kathy? takes care of me because I cannot get out because of my illness and I'm fearful of her now that she will begin to um, succumb to all the energy that she's now giving to me to help me to become stronger and her health will fail. I said, I'll pray for her. Would you allow me the privilege of announcing this to the greatest bunch of people I know on this island international? And I'd like to tell them your names and tell them the situations that we would then pray for him because he is so, so fearful. And he said, oh, please do. And he said, here's my address. Here's my phone number. Can you come and visit me sometime? And I said, we'll come and visit you. Little sidebar. I want to thank all of you who support the radio program. That's one phone call from a shut-in who barely had the strength to call. And I don't know how other we're reaching, but that's a side issue. This is the real issue. I believe that each one of us are probably 18 inches away from someone else that deals with fear, and they're fretting, anxiety, and maybe today they're doing okay, but when they put their head on the pillow and the dust settles at the end of their busy day, they're concerned about their finances, their fitness, their friends, their family, their foes. Things are happening in their world, and it can happen. Now, you might think the older you get, the less fears you have. It's the younger kids that have fears. I know they are. But I know a young girl who wasn't fearful. There's a family here today that's not only here today, but is alive today. Because she was six years old and she saw and smelled smoke and she woke up her family. Little Althea Cunningham woke up her sister Chloe and her mom Tess and her dad Alan and said, our place is on fire. We've got to get out. 
And yesterday she was honored as one of six people for being a hero instead of being fearful. Well, it can come in all shapes and sizes. And I think mom and dad be quick to grab the microphone and say, we've seen times that Althea is fearful too. But there are times that we can step up and have courage. What I'd like to do now is I'd like to give you some suggestions from God's word that I believe are biblical principles willing to obey to help you begin to tackle those fearful times in your life. Here's the first one. You need to make a list of your fears. You need to make a list of your fears. Now, some of you might have the fear of just getting up to recheck the back door, even though it's already been locked. Maybe some of you are the fear of being generous, thinking if I give some more money, what's going to happen if the economy goes down? Some of you might have the fear of failure, the loss of reputation, or the rejection of a family member. So here's my question to you, and I'm asking this as serious as I can. What do you fear? You don't have to write it on a piece of paper. You certainly don't need to send it to me, but I want you to own it. What do you fear? It could be a couple of things. could be a lot of things. It could be one captivating fear that you know it keeps you up at night. What is your fear or fears? I suggest that you make a list of them. Some of you are willing to tell me what they are. And I have them here on this pile of, in this pile of cards. I want to go to number two because I want to talk to you about all of these that are here. I've reduced it to five categories. So let's go to number two. We need to identify the lies that are behind your fears. So in other words, if you have a fear, there's something that is driving that. Now, I'm not here to get psychological with you. I don't really want to go there. I don't want to try to pick up your past and what's happened there. But I do want you to know that behind those fears, there is a lie that is being told to you and to me, and we choose to believe it. And so in a moment, I'm going to talk to you about the lie, but I want to go over the fears. Would you look there at your, your message outline? You'll see two columns. One has the fear, the other has the lie on that. Would you read the five fears beginning at the top? Would you read them out loud with me? It's the fear of, the fear of, the fear of, the fear of, the fear of. All right. Now, what I'd like to do is I want to read these to you. Because when you see those words, they're so big and you're saying, I'm not afraid of suffering. I'm really not afraid of that. And so they're really big to you. But let me share with you how real people will redefine these fears, but they become part of these same five categories. Now, again, I want you to know that God's word speaks to these. He knows we live in this frail body and this mind that's so given to fears because Satan is the generator of fears. But here's how some of you put it. Let me give you some two positive ones. I got one here that says... Um, my fears are that my friends and family members will not come to know the love, the joy, the peace that comes from seeking, knowing the Lord before it's too late. Now, I don't know if I would call that a fear, but it might be a great concern. There's nothing to really be afraid about. This is a God thing between them and the Lord. But at the same time, I understand what you're saying. Another one says, my greatest fear is that my family and friends will not come to Christ. And I don't know where you are, people, but I hope that that is probably one of your greatest concerns. While I was gone, I took a pile of books with me, as I often do. I didn't get through that pile. I took the, the first book I went through was on evangelism, and it was such a rich book of information. Not that I had to agree with everything, but it really got me to think. And again, the bottom line was, we have been left here to reach others for Christ. So I know the fear that these people might have when they're afraid about their family and friends not knowing Christ. It's more of, I have a fear that they should have the fear of what will happen to them if they don't trust Christ as Savior. But now let's talk about the day-to-day -day fears that we have. Here's one. I have the fear of getting ill and not being able to take care of myself and my family. I would call that the fear of suffering and poverty. And this one says, I have the fear of eels in the ocean. I don't know, maybe don't go in the ocean. This one says, 
fear of safety in death. I thought that would be it. Another one wrote, I am so afraid of sharks. It's the fear of safety, death, or suffering. Another one says, I'm afraid of snakes and reptiles. I didn't realize the anxiety level of you people. I don't go to the zoo or the beach, move to the desert or something. I don't know, but safety, death, and suffering. I, I know I'm making light out of that, and I apologize. If you wrote that down, that's a real fear to you. And if it's a real one to you, it is to me. And I'm sorry that it's got you in some form of, of, of bondage, maybe. All right. Let's go to something else. Here's the fear of being left alone by my loved ones. That's the fear of rejection. These are people that are you're sitting with right today. This one says, I have the fear of abandonment. When I read that, my heart broke. I don't, don't ever fear about being abandoned. You, you may have significant others in your life that might abandon you, but the Lord won't abandon you. We as a church won't abandon you. And hopefully I won't abandon you. It's the fear of rejection. Here's another one. The fear of man and poor health. I call that the fear of rejection, the fear of safety, the fear of suffering, the fear of death. This one wrote on a separate sheet and it says, I'm scared to speak in front of a room full of people. I simply, a lot of people have that. That's the fear of being rejected, fear of failure, inadequacy. This one says, my greatest fear is not feeling the Holy Spirit in God's guidance. That would be the fear of maybe rejection by the Lord. I, I, I want to just give you this very quickly. To this person who wrote that, I would just caution you that you would not live your life based upon if you feel close to the Lord or not. What you want to do is go back to the Bible and what God says in his word, that's what you do, that's what you obey. It's not based on a feeling. Often is, there's the fact, there's the objective truth. You believe it with all your heart, soul, and mind because God is a God who cannot lie. And then the appropriate feelings will follow. But if you put your feelings in front, you begin to doubt the facts and that will not make the facts any less real. So go back to the facts and that will strengthen your faith which your feelings will come. Whew. All right, here's one, the fear of heights. That's safety and death. This one says, I'm the fear of failure. That would be death, rejection, safety, poverty. Here's another one, I'm fear of failing. More people put on fear of failing. I don't know if you're fear of failing in your marriage, failing as a parent, failing on your job, failing in school if you're a young person listening to this. I don't know, maybe the fear of failing that you didn't work hard enough to go to heaven. I don't know. Those are fears. Another one is, my greatest fear is that my husband or children dying. Now, you didn't explain it, I understand, but that's the fear of death, suffering, poverty. My other greatest fear is not living up to what God has made me for. And I want you to know, I know that fear because you want to please the Lord, but let me remind you, you've been accepted as the beloved one. And if you need to do a study, do a study on God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you, God wants to wrap his ever-loving arms around you. When you sin, you do have an advocate. You do have an escape plan. If you confess that sin and forsake it and move on. But I want you to know, don't live in this dread of a God who wants to squash you like a bug and flip you into hell. Don't live like that. You don't need to. That's not biblical. Another one, my fear of spiritual warfare. That's a real one. That would be the fear of safety. And let me just tell you, God gives you the answers to that. All the armor is in there. You take that armor, you put it on by faith, you live it by faith, you wrap yourself up in God's word, you abide in this thing. You're on the winning side. Bible says you draw near to the Lord, Satan will flee from you. What kind of a battle is that? Okay. Next, making ends meet, living without depending on others, not getting a job to pay mortgage or medical needs and bills. That's the fear of rejection, poverty, suffering. Nothing to put you down. Those are real fears. Uh, there's a time when I was between pastorates and Carol and I were, we were, we were nervous. And you know what we did to provide for my family? I picked up garbage. Let me clarify that. I didn't pick it up, bring it home to eat. What I did is I picked it up and took it to the dump and got paid for it. 
But there are times when you as a husband, you want to provide for your family, you want to protect your family. These are real fears that, that men have. And a single mother might have that fear, especially because she knows the greater challenges she might face. Need prayer for finances and family safety, poverty and safety again. <laughs> I'm afraid of geckos. Uh, and oddly, it goes right to the next one. I'm also afraid of murder, suffering, death. I'm afraid of injury, safety and suffering again. I'm, I only got a couple more here. What fear causes me the most is the loss of a child. Maybe it's safety, poverty, suffering, etc. I save this one for last. And I'm wondering if this might be the, the greatest cause. Uh, greatest is maybe too strong of a word, but one of the greatest causes of our fears. Are you ready for me to read it? This is probably the most humble, the most transparent one I've received. Here's, and it says it this way. Greatest fear, not being in control. Isn't that huge? Death, I might die because I lose control. Rejection, safety, poverty, suffering. And sometimes we can't be in control. Many more times we should not be in control. And every time we should allow God to take complete control of our life and then just do what he says and let him take care of the results. Do I hear a witness on that? Now, let me go over the lies. Now, these are lies that I'm going to give you next week from Scripture, and I'm going to give you a lot of scriptural verses for this, but right now, I just want to kind of give them to you quickly. Number two, identify the lies behind your fears. The fear of death, that's my security in this life. In other words, I got to be secure in this life, all right? Fear of rejection, why? Worth comes from people. I want to be loved by other people, and my value comes from them, and so if I get rejected, I lose value. I don't, I'm, not what I sh I'm not what I want to be. Fear of safety. God may not do what's best. So I got to take care of myself and I know that I can and other people are more powerful than I am. Fear of poverty. God won't take care of me. Fear of suffering. I won't be able to bear it. And I'm looking at a crowd of people that are getting older. I went to a church with Carol. It was a very elderly church. It looked like a Q-tip convention. There were so many gray heads in the group. And um, I affirm all of you people that are older. And I look to you older people that are here. And by the way, it's not that I'm so young, all right? Relax. But I will tell you this. Listen carefully. I want you to hold your bald or gray head and your frail body as strong and as upright as you can. Because we need you. We need you to walk by faith. We need you to model for us that when you go through suffering and you get the cancer word and you have issues with your families and other things, we need someone that's been that path before us. So let me tell you, you are not a throwaway. You're not a second-class citizen as a brother and sister in Christ. We need you to go ahead of us. And don't hide from those issues that you have. That's the issues of life. That gives you a desire to go to heaven even more. That gives you a grateful spirit because he saved you by his grace. So you have a home in heaven. So again... I love you for that, but we're going to be facing that kind of suffering. We have a lady here today. This is her first Sunday back after being diagnosed with cancer, having surgery and treatment, and she's here today. You can imagine the fears this lady has had, yet she holds her head up high. Fear of suffering. You can bear it through Christ. I like what Jesus had to say. He says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. I have to tell you, I have the gift of worry. Carol has the gift of faith. <laughs> We're perfectly matched, all right, perfectly matched. I tell her that she takes life, just, oh, it's case, rah, rah, the guy gets serious, you know, and with me, she says, chill out, you know, chill out, it's all right, God's in control. You know what that told me about this verse? Worry does not bring me any closer to the Lord. If, 
worry does not bring me any closer to... If I keep worrying about this, I'm trying to control my problems, trying to solve my problems, and I'm not able to do it. So all of a sudden, I now start seeing the more I do this, the behinder I get on all of this stuff, and now I get even more worried over this thing. And where is God in all of this? So I'm going further from God when the worry occurs. Secondly, what happens then is whatever the object of my worry is, my worrying about it will not change that object. You follow me what I'm saying? So that object is still out there. Now, I said all of that. Now I want to give the balance. Next week, my message is going to be how that you can use your fears to actually drive you closer to the Lord. And the reason I say that is because of a little known verse in the book of Job. You'd start, Job is the greatest one about worrying. He lost his kids, lost his wealth, lost everything but his wife. He lost his health, all of this kind of stuff. You talk about everything that he counted dear, all the relationships, all of the, the suffering he went through, all the poverty that he had, all of that. And what does he say? And here it is. My worst fears have come upon me. That is huge. I'm wondering that maybe the Lord is allowing this to happen. And one of the lessons that Job is going to learn is, since you worried so much about this before you lost it all, that I've got to allow all that stuff to be taken from you, not because I'm angry and mad and I'm a bad God. He says, because what I want you to do is to show you you don't need that to have an intimate relationship with me. So I'm now going to take that away from you so now you can see how great I am through it all. And at the end, I'll bless you. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.